This is Alpha Geek Radio. The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Today on Casually Hardcore, Aqua Conan. Toy Story 2015. Aliens, the Apology. Evolve, stats. Deadpool movie, inching forward. All that, television, and general nerdiness abounds on this episode of Casually Hardcore. Do not panic, ladies and gentlemen. The casuals are taking control of the airways. This is Casually Hardcore, live on alphageekradio.com. For Sunday, the 22nd of February, 2015, this is Casually Hardcore, and I am Gnomewise. And I'm Grail. It's just the men folk today. Hide your women. That's all I'm saying. Just hide your women. Apparently, actually, I know where all the women are at. Where are the white women at? Oh, sorry. They're, they're at the Supernatural Con, according to uh, Daxa. So I hear. It's, <laughs> she uh, told me it's about 98% women, shockingly. Shocked, shocked I was. Yeah. Yes. Beefcake. Beefcake! Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I'm glad. I was texting with her because I had forgotten about it completely when I was asking her, hey, are we doing this by remote or in person? She's like, I'm at the convention. Oh. Yeah. Carry, Go away. Carry, carry on. <laughs> Oh, it's a happy thing. So yeah, we should hopefully get a report from her next week as uh, to if it was everything it seemed to be cut out to be. Okay, damn you, uh, CW, with your autoplay. So we've had uh, another week of almost all the nerd content uh, returning to television. We're seeing the winding down of Agent Carter and the resumption... Uh, the continued resumption of uh, Flash and Arrow and other, and that Gotham thing that none of us are paying attention to. Right. <laughs> we've been burned before, children. Yep. And some of the, some of the reports I've come across of uh, are less than uh, complimentary. Um, they seem to be struggling with the not introducing the significant Batman mythos creature a week problem. Mm. Like every villain ever keeps getting showcased. In their youthful form. Gotcha. And that apparently gets old real quick. We'll see if they if they give them a full second season, you know, we'll probably binge watch our way up if reports are good. So we may we may find ourselves eating our hats, but I'm betting not. Yeah, I'm gonna caveat my uh my desire to watch the season if they get to a second season. If they get to a second season and the show's moved to Friday nights, I'm still not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> if the signs are there. Yeah, if the signs are pointing to like it was a pity renewal, uh-huh. then no. If it actually is gonna get removed and keep its time slot or move to like a prime time slot or it looks like they're putting some effort behind it, then yeah, I will mm-hmm. I will give it a go. But uh, in the land of television, and, and we in the next week or so, we'll see the hopefully triumphant return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. See where they plan on taking this whole uh, Inhuman storyline. So I'm, I'm, 
hoping they hit the ground running on that one because they're they're in a land where they could really lose us as an audience if they don't deliver on their promises from the the cliffhanger. We'll see. Um, but uh, I'm sorry. Apparently, you were way loud. And hopefully, oh. I've corrected that. Uh, Barry, when you get a chance, let me know in the IRC if I've corrected Grail's really loudness. Uh, Loud television shows that have resumed. Uh, we are following Flash and Arrow. Yes, as as I named last week's episode, uh, we are DC fanboys one and all, which is something really foreign and strange for me to say, because I've always been a Marvel boy. Yeah, but DC just keeps delivering uh, the entertainment. So I'm fickle. I'll go where the where the sun shines brightest. Yeah, bring me the goods. And they did kind of deliver the goods a little bit. We had uh, on the Flash, they've been sowing the seeds of the Firestorm story over the entire season so far. Um, and strangely, they've managed to pick one of those DC characters whose history and origin I was actually passingly familiar with. Um, so I, I kind of knew what to expect in some ways about um, what was going on with Firestorm being two different people bonded into one body through an accident, which is what is explored and revealed over the last several episodes up through this most recent one that we're talking about, which was simply the nuclear man. Um, but they've managed to, as most things in this story have, it's all revolving around the air quotes accident at the particle accelerator. So... <laughs> yeah, everything is apparently due to this damn particle accelerator. <laughs> that, that seems to be their major MacGuffin in this one is all nope. things spring from... But it's not It's not a bad storytelling thing to have for the beginning of your story. Yeah. It gives you the excuse for the metahuman of the week because they were all created as... Um, oh, as a complete tangent. I'm curious as to which, which of these two options you think is what happened. Is... Did... Our evil, Dr. Evil Pants, Dr. <laughs> Wells, the mm -hmm. one we've been watching throughout the store, throughout the um, course of the story, do you think he is evil Dr. Pants from the future who came back and replaced his innocent past self and took over his timeline? Hmm. Um, or is he, because I mean, there's, there's clearly indications that he has knowledge of the future. Um, so we assume he is from there. Yes. Um, so was the original Dr. Wells who was starting up the particle accelerator doing it in good faith and was just pursuing science for the sake of science when evil version from future comes, offs him, takes his place to make all the things happen that have, have happened? Um, possibly. Either, I mean, offed him or took him out of the picture. Because right. they could, of course, bring bring that in. But I think what you're going to end up going with, whether or not he replaced him or he just is Dr. Evil Pants from the future and that's it. They're, you know, the, no the old himself was somewhere else. Right. Um, I think what you're going to end up with is him showing a very compelling reason why he thought this had to happen. I had to make sure that the Flash existed yeah. so he could save the world. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be one of these secondary. cases where it's like, I'm just trying to get the Flash to go really fast so I can suck his power away and become Dr. Fast Evil Pants. Right. I mean, and it's, permanently. And the so, fact that they have us asking ourselves these questions tells me, okay, good storytelling. Yeah, and I hope that's the direction they go, is they, they you know get to a point where he's like, I had 
to kill your mom, and I had to do all these terrible things because it, without it, the world would have ended in right. whatever that that article was that they showed, like well, that's it was twenty twenty five or something like that. The Easter eggs they give you in that the glimpses of that page are you know flash missing. Uh, mysterious red sky vanishes. Right. So, you know, what was causing the red sky? And, and it was, wonder if we'll get to the future and we'll say, I had to come back and correct a future where I helped you save your mother and that brought about the end of the world. Yeah, that'd be even, that'd be really interesting and if I you said, you know, and originally back. I stopped, you know, this from happening and right. the world ended. Right. <laughs> I, I, I helped you save your mother and... It was the worst decision we ever made, and that's why I had to come back and stop you. Yeah. Now, I think what they... Now, that's a great Mm storyline, but the problem they've run into with The Flash so far, one of my quips with the show is they tend to resolve issues really fast. Mm -hmm. Like, at the beginning of the show... People are like, oh, my God, you're the worst thing ever. And by the end of the 45 minutes, they're like, oh, okay, everything's cool. And that's, I mean, that's a little bit what this week's show led to, kind of, but it it ended on a nice cliffhanger. Um, It was basically them figuring out what was going on with old fiance. Yeah. The the burning man, as they were referring to him in the media, um, and what they retconned into Project Firestorm that the uh, professor half of Firestorm was working on. Who just happened to show up for the accelerator and brought his research with him. Yeah, and I mean, that was kind of odd that they never got into, like, what was he doing there with his, you know, prototype fusion ball of doom? In a briefcase. (laughs) I wonder if that'll ever be explained or it's just something that they put in. Of course, all professors carry around samples of their... Uh, miniature sun in in a box. Yeah, um, and I mean, why wouldn't you want that near a particle accelerator oh, sure. starting up? <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, that was that. I'm still wondering about that one because that, that's a, an, a vital part of how this iteration of Firestorm came to be. Is the professor is standing outside the powder accelerator, particle accelerator, gets knocked over, and and his little miniature sun um, gets knocked out of its case, and he picks it up just in time to get hit by the wave of energy carrying fiancé boy's essence through the miniature fusion dark matter sun thing and fuses them together and Firestorm is born. Yeah. Bit of a reach there. All these things had to line up and, and there's not a compelling reason for a lot of them to have been where they were. No, and it's also interesting that he was, where they show him outside, he's actually with a bunch of picketers that are saying, don't turn the thing on. Right, and he, and he you know, vanishes into a, a shadow against a wall, and, oh, well, I'll, I'll give, give them that. The particle accelerator was blowing up at that point, so I can sure. understand how people might not have taken notice of that. But the, there's, there's some fan, fun fan service in this one where the device that they give uh, him to put on to try and stabilize the separation of the two halves of him. Right. Expands around him and looks very similar to the classic Firestorm costume, which is the the classic Firestorm costume is supposed to be a single particle bursting energy and then flying apart into three other particles. Hey, fission. Oh, neat. Or other way around, three particles coming together into one. Oh, fusion. Um and of course, the device, when worn, oh, looks almost exactly like that. Cute, yeah, nice one, guys. Um, but it's the journey of discovery 
of Dr. Snow faced with the body of her fiance with the mind of the old professor trying to let go of him while standing in front of him. Right, right. Especially since he's the professor is telling her that he's still in he's here. there, but he's very far suppressed. Right. Like but he I doesn't can... have any chance of kind of controlling the, him, right. the body, really. Um, and we have the Kurgan. I mean, uh, the evil general. Um, yes, played by what's the actor's name? Oh God, Clancy Brown. Clancy Clarence Brown. Brown, who I love in everything I've ever seen him. He's always a ton of fun. Oh yeah, um, even in Earth Two, he was great in that short-lived sci-fi show. Uh, um, but he's now playing the mustache-twirling, yeah, straight out of Central Casting, cardboard cutout, evil general who wants to recover Project Firestorm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure after he gets done with this, he'll cross universes and go hunt the Hulk down. Exactly. <laughs> Same damn guy. Same exactly. character. Um, Except without the daughter. Right. <laughs> and for some reason, feels the need to always wear camo, even in the office. Because um, the army clearly uh, no longer has uh, dress greens. But anyway. Yeah. Um, so we have the, you know, the, the it's lots of tropes going on in this episode, um, but it's still, I, I was very entertained by it. How did you feel about it? I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good, uh, you know, quasi origin story. Um, it brought, brought some life to, again, uh, Caitlin Snow's character that I th- thought was really underdeveloped. Uh, and I think is... Is this the one where you also had the reveal of what uh, Cisco and uh, Joe found out at the house, or was that the previous episode? <sighs> They're flowing together in my mind. I, I, know. That, that, I know it wasn't the very last episode, so, right. so I know. Yeah, the, the, the B story through the last couple episodes has been Joe approaching Cisco on the sly, saying, I need your help, because essentially I suspect Dr. Evil Pants is somehow not telling us everything or is somehow involved with this you know, years-old murder that I'm investigating. And a lot of hand-waving and dubious uh, technology later. <laughs> no kidding. Silver nitrate. They used to back old mirrors with that. And, of course, if you just flash things at silver nitrate, it always exposes a picture. Um, right. I'm calling BS on that one. Yeah. But basically... And then I like the fact that it's like, not only do I get a picture, but I get a 3D holographic image out of it. Just because like, I felt like, you know, expending the effort. Yeah. So they, right. they basically, they get access to Barry's old house from the um, MILF, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> who's clearly got her sights set on Joe, um, and realize that there's one piece of original furniture there that was there the night of the attack, and it's got an old antique silver-backed uh, or silver nitrate-backed mirror that hand-waving, hand-waving, techno-babble, techno-babble, Cisco develops. And they actually put the damn thing in, in a tray of fluid like they're developing it, ha-ha, <laughs> but then project a, a hologram from it because whatever. Because this is a comic book TV show, and you just got to let that crap go. Yeah, you just, just roll with it. They basically they get some intel from that night. So you get some nice freeze frames of the two speedsters kind of streaking through the room. And you get a freeze frame of mom screaming in the middle of the room and a freeze frame of young Barry standing there helplessly. Um, 
but the thing they come away from it is they see one of the speedsters cutting or them, them injuring each other and putting blood spatter onto the wall. Right. And they actually say, hey, this, this wallpaper is new. They peel it away and there's some remaining blood spatter that the old CSI team never noticed. So they're able to get blood samples from the night of the attack. And Joe immediately asks Cisco to compare it against Dr. Wells, tipping his hand that he thinks that Wells is involved in some way. Right. Um, more hand-waving, hand-waving later, they get results that it's not only Barry's blood, but Barry as an adult. Yeah. Because... Lots of protein in the blood. Telomeres, whatever. Right. Um, hand-waving, hand-waving, technobabble, technobabble. So... They have now basically information, okay, at some point, since Barry doesn't remember having done this, in the future, he will time travel back to the past and be there and, and fail to save his mother, is, right. how, is how he internalizes it. And Well, that's what you get to in the later episode. That's kind of the big reveal well, at the end, is it the, wasn't the, Dr. The Wells' is, blood. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's it's Barry's blood, isn't Barry right. as a grown-up? But he's an adult, right. and so that kind of cliffhangered that part dun, of it. Dun, dun. And then you had the the end of them trying to use the device to separate uh, the parts of Firestorm into the the two actual people. Does not go well. Doesn't go well. He kind of blows up, <laughs> as in mushroom cloud, nuclear explosion outside town. Yeah, and they end with Barry. Running away at top speed, carrying Caitlin away from the nuclear blast as fast as he can. Right. And, and then, you know, Dr. I don't know, I guess uh, General Evil Pants yes. goes, oh, it's Firestorm. Let's go get it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nuclear explosion outside down. Firestorm. Let's Firestorm. roll. Love it. All right. So, only one. Yeah. Good, good overall story. Um, some of the, the standard, you know, pieces that I've I've grown to just kind of overlook with Flash was still present but overall be- better than uh the the two Captain Cold and Captain Hot <laughs> episode for sure what what yeah uh so cut over to Arrowland when I saw the title for this one I was concerned yeah it said canaries Yep, especially I, when you know there's there's only one canary at the moment, and she's and pretty it's bad. Not Sarah, right? Um, <sighs> so I was not in the uh, headspace when going into this. <laughs> Great, we're spotlighting probably my least favorite character in the whole damn series. Yeah. That being said, it wasn't that bad. No, I thought this one really got back on track um, in terms of, you know, obviously it was a story that did feature Laurel, but it featured her kind of getting beaten the crap out of, so I could appreciate that. (laughs) And not getting beaten the crap out of because she's just terrible, but because she kept getting hit by the Vertigo drug. Yeah, and this is another nice lift from the original source material, Vertigo... um, was a villain here it's it's more centered around the drug um so there's less superpower and more poisoning and but it's very believable the the way this drug dealer villain uh was zushenko or whatever the heck he is 
Yeah. I forget his. Um, he's very, very cardboard cut out Russian mobster. Right. Um, the actor they got playing for him chews up the scenery, does a good job. I like him as, as yeah. the, the drug dealing villain guy. Um, but he would dismantle someone of her low experience level by basically getting the drop on her repeatedly. Right. And just being there on the ready with the dart to the neck of drugging you, and then I'm just going to make your life a living hell because, hey, you can't defend yourself because I drugged the hell out of you and you're hallucinating. But what she hallucinates is what I had a hard time getting past at the same time as makes total sense. So she keeps hallucinating Sarah as Black Canary, telling her how inadequate she is. Right. Um, Which, given her circumstance of trying to fill her sister's shoes, her sister whom she failed to protect, whom she thought was dead and only got back for a very short time before losing permanently, um, who was so much better than her in this arena of physical combat, hey, trained by the League. Right. Um... Those are some pretty big black patent leather boots to fill. So I imagine she would feel like she was second, third, fourth, fifth best when trying to do what her sister did better than her. So she's a little bit insecure about her role as Black Canary. Yeah. I mean, I think, and and that's what they play on through the whole thing is her kind of coming to terms with what she's doing, why she's doing it, and, you know, is she trying to live up to what Sarah was able to do as Black Canary, or is she just trying to more honor that memory, I guess, is the direction they're kind of going in. But they also cut in some scenes of, instead of seeing Sarah, she sees her father, who's yeah. chastising her for not telling her the fact that his you know, daughter's dead again. Um, so she goes, you know, she gets rocked pretty good on that. But the, the main interesting story for me was the fact that now that Oliver's back, even though... Timeline-wise, it's pretty fast for this. Again, I've, I still think they should have extended his period that he was gone longer to make it a little more impactful. But it was good to see him coming back and kind of like, okay, I'm back. I'm calling the shots. And the team was like, no. No. <laughs> that you died and kind of left us. And we have our own d- dynamic now going. So it's not just we fall in line with whatever you say any longer. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we chose to put Laurel... God help us on the team, and yeah. you, you got to live with it now. And I think uh, I think that was good. I think that got back into the good writing that I've and uh, the when it hits really well on Arrow, that's to me is when it's at its best. In that they're a team that isn't just always everything's cool and hunky dory. And mm-hmm. I think they they do a, the human side of it really well. Well, they had two good interpersonal scenes, both involving Oliver, one with Diggle and one with Laurel. Yeah. And with Diggle, it was, hey, you should be happy. You had a rare chance to see that something you built was strong enough to live on past your death. Now you got to deal with the fact that it's a thing outside yourself. Right. And we exist and our, our team exists with or without you and you are not its de facto leader. Yes, you created it, but then it grew. Right. And that was the, the conflict between him and the team, and Diggle had to lay down the law with him and say, mm, suck it up, buttercup. Uh, yeah. This is the new way we do things, and if you don't like it, you can leave and we'll keep going, because yeah. you are not the team and the team is not you. Right, right. That, that 
those those days are done, right. basically. So um, that was a good scene with him and Diggle. And then the other scene was Oliver it was split across two different scenes, but it was Oliver berating Laurel, saying and saying he understood. You are running away from the pain and the horror of what has been happening around you, specifically Sarah. Right. And ain't adrenaline a great method of running away? It just makes you forget everything, and you can focus on the life or death of the moment, and all other concerns fade away because, well, if you don't pay attention, you're going to die. And he says, you're using this to escape facing your pain. And at the same time, he says, I totally get it, but I, I want you to under, make sure you understand that this is what you're doing. And of course, she rails again and says, no, I'm doing this to honor my sister. And, and why do you think, I, why are you allowed to fight for this city and I am not? Right. All valid components to her argument. But she basically, you know, when, when her subconscious is let free to roam, makes the liar out of her saying, no, you're really um, running from this memory of your sister. Yeah. And later conversation, you know, Oliver is basically more accepting of her inclusion. Yeah. And kind of this, this is the, okay, you're, you're in. So we can now have stories going forward where it's just an accepted fact that she is a member of the team. Right. Um, again, all too fast and cut and dried and easy for my tastes. Sure. I don't feel the character has paid her dues. I mean, one of the things I love 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 about this show is that oliver paid his dues right and they keep showing us pieces of how he became the superhero that's one of the things that annoyed me about the tim burton batman is we arrived at the point in the story where batman was already a fact yeah and that's why i love batman begins so much more right it's the becoming story and we got the best of both worlds with this storytelling technique. We got very quickly Oliver as the arrow because they started the story where he'd already been through the five years away, which is turning out to be way more complex and involved than we ever thought. Yeah, no kidding. This is the most intense five years ever, apparently. Um, But they keep showing us and, and here's how he got this way and here's how he worked and screwed up and failed and improved and got better and learned to become this efficient combat killing machine guy. Not only do you get the growth that you see in the flashbacks, but you also had the growth from season one of him being a revenge bent murderer mm-hmm. up into now the more I'm here to protect right. the city Incarnation, which is a totally uh, believable arc. Right, he, he right. would arrive hell bent for leather on killing every name in that book. Yeah, which was what all season one was all about. It was all about the book. Yep. Um, and it was an interesting story to watch him pulling back from that precipice where others have not. You know, witnessed Deathstroke. Yeah. He just plunged right on over and never looked back. Became the killer. I will kill anything that, that gets in my way. Kind of guy. And we see the, the two sides of the coin where um, Oliver steps back and says, I need to knock off this killing thing or it's going to consume me. And, and that's, I love that. That's, I think that's why 
Laurel as Black Canary stands out so starkly for me. Sure. Because we have none of that. And they're, they're rushing to get her to fighting status so they can tell stories about the team going out and kicking ass. And I wish they hadn't. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think also my problem is I don't, as much as I want it to be believable so that anytime they get into a fight, that in general, when faced with challenging opposition, she'll be the first to go down. I don't also want to then see it become the let's save Laurel every episode right. uh, story arc. Because one of the other pieces of this episode was the whole thing with Thea yeah. um, and this is also huge and this is again writing wise it's why I love Arrow because they, they can surprise me every once in a while mm-hmm. and the fact that they finally not only did Oliver accept Laurel to the team but he came to the realization he had to tell Thea everything basically most everything yeah Pretty much. I mean, not about the island, but at least he had to tell her, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. And he goes and does it. And, like, in the middle of the episode, it wasn't even a, yeah. used as a cliffhanger. Nope. It was just, let me bring you down and let me show you this is what I'm up to. And, and then she flipped the reaction because you right. were expecting this to become a long, drawn-out, you know, I don't trust you. Instead, she yep. thanked him. I, and, I loved that because yeah. he, they, spelled out, they spelled out his fear Many times. Right. She will never forgive me for lying to her. And, and that's a trope that we've seen over and over again, where oh. you spend whole seasons with people patching up relationships. And instead seeing her leap to the, all this time, I thought you were the spoiled brat jerk. Yeah. And you've been saving everyone. And is one of the very first people to react with, thank you. Yeah. So it was great the way Loved they it. brought her in and i mean there's still stuff to talk about oh, there i mean she yeah. she still has you know there's still a couple other scenes where she's still trying to kind of process it all mm-hmm. but her initial reaction isn't one of like oh my god How you could lied you? to me get away yeah so that was really really well done and then i like the fact that they wrapped up then the fact that the dj who she ends up hooking up with yeah uh and we know from the previous episode is a league spy. Right. Goes at her. And she's able through her time spent with Malcolm to detect the fact that, oh, he's probably trying to poison me with this wine. Right. And then they fight some. And she holds out for a little bit and then pretty much gets compromised. Right. And it takes Arsenal showing up, who also holds out for a little bit and then gets compromised, which is believable. I mean, this guy's a trained league assassin. Right. He should be better than people with very little training. So I like the way the fights went. And then until Malcolm then shows up. Right. And he decides to off himself, knowing at that point the odds are against them. Right. But yeah, I like I liked the fact that they tipped the hat to she's only been training nine months. Yeah. That only gets you so far, as intensive as that training may be. Um, and also Arsenal being, you know, more experienced than her, but only barely. Yeah. Um, still in his, his raw strength, still gets dismantled by skill. Um, and then Merlin showing up saying, eh, I, I have everything it takes to take you down, son. And he just says, well, then I'm out. Kills himself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, to me, that was like, okay, a, a, a nod in the direction of the reality of Thea is not yet an right. unstoppable killing machine, protege of her father. Um, and I, th- I think that's what also drives me up a wall somewhat about Laurel. Not mm-hmm. only do we see Oliver go through it, but they're doing a much better job of turning Thea into whatever they're turning her right. into. 
it's been a nice gradual process and you're not having to just have her become I don't know what other females run around with Oliver Queen, I but nonetheless. Don't, I don't know what, her, her, what she is destined to become, if yeah. anything, other than someone to die, uh, you know, in a, an important moment for, story, <laughs> for storytelling reasons. Why not bump off the rest of his family? Uh, it seems... <coughs> Batman! What? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like Batman, but really drawn out. <laughs> yeah, and, that's, and it, this kind of encapsulates in the same damn episode... <laughs> Where they're doing it so right and so wrong right. in my book. Where I can go from a, and I was worried and I was annoyed for a little while that they seemed to be doing exactly the same thing with Thea. Rushing her to competency to have her just be yet another person to be in big fight scenes and kick ass and make for good choreography. And to see them pull back on the zone. No, 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 no. She's not a player yet. You know, she, she could probably defend herself from a mugger, but she's not walking in mugger circles anymore. No. She, um, she's, she's walking amongst giants, and she is not a giant. Yeah. And yet, still we have, but Laurel's doing great. She's going out and single-handedly you know, using a bow staff to, to kill people. Uh, one right. of these things is not like the other. So, yeah. yeah just, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe... Thea will eventually become Black Canary because Laurel gets killed doing it. <laughs> One possible future. That'd be an interesting twist. That's for yeah. sure. What a twist. Just like, go hire M. Night Shyamalan and Ding Dong and have him write the episode. There you go. So, moral I'll of the story. The queen's been dead this whole time. <sighs> the, uh, they're both, both series, good solid episodes this week. Um, for sure. Both kind of cliffhangery for uh, I mean, the, the Flash really cliffhanger because ah, nuke yeah. um and this one where thea you need more training mm-hmm. um and they cliffhanger with them arriving on the island because yeah. going back there what could go wrong right and the, you know the island teaches all so hey yes yeah, so it also <laughs> houses an argus prison where who is being held hmm yeah Gee, I wonder where they're going with the storyline next. I don't know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Like, we're going to let you out to train us. <laughs> yeah, that's so. They've gone back to super secret Argus Island of Doom. Yeah, uh, where Art, where uh, Ollie received all of his experience to help have a place where, hopefully, without interference um, from the League, uh, Thea can get some real life experience, uh, roughing it and fending for her life. Yeah. Because reasons. So we'll see where they take that next week. Uh, hours of entertainment to be had there. And mixed in there, we'll have a little, uh, another, yeah, another one week or so until the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Sticking with the DC universe, uh, the director, Zack Snyder, of Batman v Superman, also known as the Why Didn't You Just Call It the Justice League Already movie, first official pick of. Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let me start with the five-pronged trident. Um, try. From the Latin root, <laughs> three. Um, <laughs> it's a come five-pronged. on, guys. <laughs> you couldn't find a trident. <sighs> yeah, that's more like a pitchfork. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You can't see the top, so maybe those two side prongs are just decorative or something. I don't know, but right. or they merge into Ooh. together, and who knows? I don't know. But also, 
the you know, Fifty Shades of Arthur. This is a very gray, washed out uh, photo, which I guess they're kind of descending from the, the color palette that was chosen in Man of Steel. Yeah. So I guess they're sticking with that. So they're, they're, I, it looks like maybe they're just really trying hard to leave their comic book roots behind. We've seen the costume reveal of Wonder Woman, very muted colors. Right. So not the bright red, bright blue, you know, very, very matte red, matte black, you know, or matte navy blue. And continuing through here, so they're just kind of saying, this is not a comic book. Take us seriously. Um,. We'll see how that works for them. All that being said, looks completely badass. Oh, yeah. Because it's Jason goddamn Momoa. Right. I mean, stature-wise, he looks imposing. Uh, You know, you get over the fact he's not blonde-haired any longer, uh, which is fine. I I have no problem with some cast diversity. Uh, So I think that he looks great. The tattoos look great. Mm Mm-hmm. The uh, tagline on the picture, though, is Unite the Seven. Mm-hmm. And so they're saying, you know, uh, they could be talking about the Seven Seas, since s- he's the king of those. Right. Or they could be actually talking about the Justice League in this iteration, mm-hmm. since they've already announced himself, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Cyborg, and the Flash, mm-hmm. and people assuming Green Lantern would be part of there as well. Green Lantern or Martian Manhunter? Not, I mean, Martian Manhunter is not a well-known... Hero, um, I hope they go with him because he's a. I love his story. Uh, yeah, I think he's got an interesting story, and the fact they're including Cyborg in that list is he's never really been considered a a, a core member. I guess right. I but Cyborg say. is a really easy sell. Yeah, you don't have to give a huge backstory to get him in there. You can say, "Hey, look, this guy. He's half machine, half human. Ooh, badass weaponry," and move on to the next person. Right, and you can get back to his fleshing out his backstory there, but you can get him into the story and working well as a story element without needing to say all you would need to say about Martian Manhunter to make you know. Here's why this guy is here. Okay, let's go back a couple hundred years and onto another planet and to another race. And that just doesn't work in a two-hour movie. Um, so, so I understand why they would go with Cyborg because it's like he does what he says, says what he does. He's a cyborg. Do you need to know more? Right. Um, so we'll see how that actually pans out. But yeah, the, the, the ambiguous nature of Unite the Seven, has, of course, was deliberate nerd bait for, ooh, what does it mean? What could it be? I don't know. Um, sure. But it looks like they're, they're going for the harpoon hand uh, generation of Arthur Curry, uh, just without the harpoon hand. But the, all the other, I'm a badass, I am the freaking... You know, exiled and returned king of the Atlantean Empire that uh, lives just beneath your oceans, oh land dwellers who know nothing about the sea, um, and I will wreck your world if you piss me off. Yeah, um, I hope they have fun with that. I think I'm wondering if there's a Photoshop job because that chest doesn't look nearly manly enough to be to belong to Jason Momoa. The pecs are a little saggy. Yeah, I know. It's a little. I think it's a Photoshop job. Either that or he's off his game. Right, one of the two. It's been eating too much sushi. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Oh, you're so funny. I know. So the other uh, question I have, I mean, so and there's a 
part of this article where basically Snyder is defending the fact that Aquaman is a badass because mm-hmm. he can cut the flesh of Superman if they came in contact and he's super strong, which is cool. And that that's good. I mean, you got to give him some sort of credibility. I'm curious to see if in the movie uh, right now, they're only saying if, if anything, it'll just be a cameo in Superman versus Batman, but in the actual justice league, forming part one if they actually refer to him as aquaman at any point in the movie i'm 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 betting it'll be a throwaway joke line maybe from a villain right it's like go back to your swimming pool aquaman uh even that sounds horrible (laughs) it's supposed to Um, yeah we'll see because that's um it's one thing that marvel has done really well i mean the only character that has an actual label you know we have captain america but they, they went to great pains to say how he got that name because it was basically sure. created for propaganda reasons and black widow who well, came out of the black widow training program so this is where her name came from but it was also i can imagine a super spy getting a nickname sure in in you know black ops circles they never really refer to hawkeye as hawkeye no, he's just, that one he's, they kept, he's the hawk, right? The hawk. Um, um, but Iron Man, yeah, he, he kind of flirts with it, and by by the end of the first movie, he's like, "I'm Iron." I Man. am Iron so Man. He, um, he claims the title at that point. Right. Thor is Thor, so there really wasn't any need to work on that one. Right. And Hulk also. That one is like one of the, that that fits. <laughs> it's a hulking brute. It's it's a Hulk. Yeah, um, it's a Hulk. The. But it's not contrived, you know, it's like not something man. Ant-Man is their first one where they're just grabbing it by yeah. the reins and riding it. And they, they even hung a lantern on it in the trailer where he's like, about the name. Is it too yeah. late to change it? Right, right. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm curious to see. I mean, in the DC universe, I mean, in like Batman Begins, Batman claims his name right. at that point. And because it was a good enough movie, he could get away with the I'm Batman. Yeah, well, they, they dress it up in the I need to get this persona and get, get it out there and get it known and feared and Batman. Yeah. Whereas Superman was very. They never said they Superman once in the Man of Steel movie. Right. They right. brushed up against it where she started to say, oh, it's super. And then they cut in with the feedback on the microphone. Like, ah, I saw what you did there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Again, there's, there's uh, I, I am I am really I am eager to see Batman v Superman because it's going to be it's going to be the fate of future DC franchise movies hanging in the balance. Yeah, no kidding. And I, really, <laughs> I want them to succeed. And I have been I've been wrong before, and I want to be wrong about this one, because I was freaked out by Guardians of the Galaxy. I didn't think they could they could make that fly, and boy was I wrong. And I want to I want to have this same conversation about you know I want to to be the month after Batman v Superman and release. I want to be having a conversation of remember when I thought it was gonna suck? <laughs> what a moron I am! I want that to happen. Right. Um, I'm just not terribly confident that that's going to happen at this point. <laughs> All right, so on that bombshell, uh, it's time to take our mid-show break. I've queued up a little uh, Paul and Storm for you. This one is called You Left Me from the most recent uh, Wootstock, Wootstock 6.0. This is Justin Robert Young from the Weird Things Podcast, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Uh, we are. This is another new song. Uh, I, we did not do this here last year because it is newer than that. 
thank God. Uh, this is actually, it's newer, but it is also hearkening back to our very, very deep country and western roots. Very deep. Our suburban Washington, D.C. and suburban Philadelphia country and western roots. The countryest of suburbs. Uh, this song is called You Left Me. It's a love song. It is a love song. And the only other thing that we would ask you do is, well, two things. Pay attention and wait, wait for, for it. it. <laughs> this song be better, better be fucking awesome at this point. Nothing feels right anymore It was your right, babe, I know But still it hurt to see you go When you left me and walked right out that door Too many years, too many beers Too many tears that you shed I lied and I cheated and dared you to walk away. You had enough, you packed your stuff. You called my bluff when you said that you were done being mistreated and you were leaving me today. You told me you were taking half of everything with you. Then you lifted that axe and swung downward and through. And you left me, you left me Oh, you up and left me And nothing feels right anymore It was your right, babe, I know But still it hurt to see you go When you left me and walked right out that door Now I'm out of my head and my poor heart is broken I'm all inside out And the carpet is soaking I never thought that this trial separation Would involve quite so much amputation You were neglected and dejected Now I'm bisected and blue I gotta give you a hand, babe, cause the last laugh is on me. Now I'm grieving, cause you're leaving after cleaving me in two. And now I'm half of the man, babe, I once used to be. The heartache and the hurting that I can't keep inside are like the blood, guts, and organs that I can't keep inside. Since you left me, you left me. Oh, you up and left me. And nothing feels right anymore. It was your right, babe, I know. But still it hurt to see you go When you left me and walked right out that door I'm too weak now to fight it The battle's just too one-sided <laughs> Since you left me and walked right out that door
Hey, this is Veronica Belmont from Vaginal Fantasy, and you are listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Casually Hardcore continues live on alphageekradio.com. And I wanted to touch on an email that I didn't get time for in the first segment that have partially encompasses all the DC wonder- wonderfulness we've been talking about. This is from Sarathis. Dear CH Crew, Sarathis here, and the whole Gorilla Grodd thing got me thinking. Why stop there? For the casual viewer who has little to no DC knowledge of any uh, any sense of disbelief is already shattered. So let's just add Ultra Humanite into the mix, or even the brain. He has a machine gun wielding gorilla henchman. What could go wrong? You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> For the average viewer, I think Grodd is gonna be. They're, they're gonna have to make it really entertaining. Um, they're going out on a limb with that. Um, there is a tease at the end of the episode that we've seen but are not yet talking about because it's in the um, Gilligan period. Yep. I, w- I will refer you to that, which gives you, and it's a really good after show tease, gives you a little bit of the idea of the direction they're heading with Grodd. Um, you're right. They could totally screw this up. The tease left me feeling kind of good and, and expectant about where they're heading with Gorilla Grodd. Well, so Dax and I have both watched the newest episode as well. Right, and the little tease at the end. Involved and we saw the Grodd. tease, and pretty much same reaction to the first time. I went, <laughs> cool. Dax went, what? What the hell? <laughs> like... All right, they could be heading for a train wreck with this one. Yeah, so, I mean, again, if we're, if we're comparing, like, the nerd viewer to the casual viewer, at least in terms of knowledge of DC Comics, uh, yeah, they're, they're struggling a little. Yep. So, I, I share your trepidation, Sarathis, um, having... Just enough DC background and having it, it's been refreshed lately by my daughter just rabidly consuming all the DC animated she can lay her hands on with a heavy helping of Batman the Brave and the Bold, which is very campy, very childish, but also is a massive tour of every hero and villain in the DC universe. Done very tongue-in-cheek and very much for a younger audience. And Gorilla Grodd shows up a lot in that one in very campy, over-the-top style. So I, it's, it's in my brain, that cartoony version, like, oh, God, this could go very badly. Yeah. We'll see. Here's well, and, and like I think we mentioned last week's show, if you didn't grow up with DC, but let's say you had children or you yourself decided to watch something like, I don't know, the Powerpuff Girls. Uh-huh. Uh, you will see him as like, why are they ripping off Mojo Jojo? Exactly. <laughs> Powerpuff Girls, by the way, returning for two seasons. Oh, nice. And not that anime ripoff crappy thing that they tried. Right, right. Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. <laughs> yes. Uh, Cartoon Network, we love thee. Yeah. Uh, so, moving onward. So, yes, uh, Sarathus, you're not wrong. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. This is one of those... We just kind of leave it in the hands of the writer and hope they know what the hell they're doing. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So we had some interesting Twitter action going on to follow up on some Twitter action from last year. So Neil Baumkamp 
uh, director, protege of Peter Jackson, uh, once at one time attached to some uh, Halo movies that never came to be, yeah. and creator of uh, District 19, was it? Uh, District, District 9. 9. District 9. Yeah. Um, and the less enthusiastically received, but still pretty solid Elysium. Yes. Um, last year had tweeted out some alien, as in alien, aliens, alien three, you know, the whole alien saga. Right. Um, concept art, just because he liked it and was, was, had been toying around with trying to get something moving in the alien universe again. And it was this really weird, like, xenomorph suit on Sigourney Weaver stuff. That was really super creepy and compelling and interesting. Like, just makes you answer, what the hell came to pass to make this happen? Um, and it's not, it's like, it's not clear. Is that growing out of her? Is it, you know, what, what is going on here? It's just like, whoa, nerdgasm. Um, and then basically tweeted later. It's like, yeah, this is, this is, this is going nowhere. And it was just, I was just interested in this. Sorry. Sorry to get all your hopes rolling. Sure. And then recently tweeted out basically a picture of the Xenomorph saying, yeah, I guess this is my next movie. And so they are apparently going forward with an official new movie in the Alien franchise helmed by Blomkamp. Yeah. I'm not sure how to feel about this. I don't know either. I mean, we'll see. And it's supposedly, from what I've heard, I don't know if it's mentioned in the article, is that it's planned to come out after the sequel to Prometheus. Yes, this definitely will come out after and be set after, they made a point of saying. Right, but they're they're making a point of saying this is definitely as as was pretty much hinted in the first Prometheus movie. This is the same universe. Yes, and this will be more clearly linked between the Alien franchise and Prometheus. Though I assume Prometheus two will reinforce those bonds even more. Right, right. Um, but that's all we know is they're gonna they're gonna produce and release uh, Prometheus two. That makes me kind of concerned because if that tanks, that could scuttle this operation and then we'll get this just all they're referring to it as a new movie in the alien franchise set after prometheus 2 all that means is it's could be any time in the timeline from before we met ripley to after what was the most recent one alien v avp2 i think the avp no what was it Resurrection. No, uh, predators. Or, no, predators, pre- no, Predators had no aliens in it. So No, other than a little. AVP Requiem. Requiem. That's, I knew it was something with the R. <laughs> um, was, was bad and awesome all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, the AVP movies are basically like Friday the 13th, you know, Freddy vs. Jason type stuff. I yeah, mean, it just can't be, let's throw these two things at each other. I think Requiem <laughs> took it more seriously than any of the others. Where what would happen? First of all, it's the first one I saw that was a direct like you cut the end of AVP and you the opening scene of Requiem is the next minute. Yeah, it's like wow, that really is a sequel, isn't it? Where literally you could not stop these two movies and it would just continue the storyline. Right. Um, but it had more horror in it. Sure. Than any of them since Alien. So they had the father-son taken by facehuggers and didn't right. shy away from it at all. Hey, look, a child. Get him. 
Um, and you know what happens next, and the whole alternate method of breeding that they come up with for the xenomorphs. That's right, yeah. And the so they, they really got back to their horror roots, and it was more, here's how the humans would be utter cannon fodder in this exchange between the one predator trying to clean up their mess according to their rules and the life form whose job is just to propagate as fast as they can and eliminate all competitors. Yeah. Um, that and the design for the uh, alien predator hybrid was fairly badass. Yeah. Um, so, but that's, I mean, that's like the, the least smelly turd of, of the pile. Yeah, I mean, outside of those, then you had Alien 3, which was god-awful. We do not speak of it. And then Alien, what was that one called? Resurrection. Resurrection, Resurrection, yeah. So, and that one was, it had some moments that were pretty cool, but overall it was pretty bad as well. Yeah. Uh, So, I... I don't know. This is so so frustrating because they really did a great job with some of the novels set in the alien universe. Oh, there's, there's great source material in the comic books and the novels. Yeah. Awesome you stuff. have some interesting things you could do, and yet they seem to want to keep going back and giving Sigourney Weaver work, at least in terms of like Aliens 4. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be time to move on. Uh, they did have a big success, though, with the uh, game they released. Uh, which got good reviews, and it featured Ripley's daughter as the main character. And then they followed it up with one of the most lampooned games, Colonial Marines. Um, Well, no, no, I'm talking about the most recent Alien game. Yeah, the one before that was a horrifying abortion of... Yeah, uh, Alien Isolation. Isolation is awesome. It's supposed to be fantastic. Yeah, so that one, really good, and it gets that one's really back into the horror roots because you can't even kill the alien. It's all just about avoiding and, you know, delaying the alien. Uh, But yeah, Colonial Marines did it no favors just because they released one of the most buggy games, which apparently eventually they did patch, but by then nobody cared. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's uh, it, it ha- they haven't done any favors there, but I think you know hopefully Prometheus two can take all the really really good parts and get rid of all the really crappy parts from Prometheus, and then they'd really be in a good place to yeah. kind of relaunch into this universe. And I think they need to figure out though what they're going for, because Alien vs Aliens, both great movies, very different in tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, very different approaches to the universe, and they, I think they need to just stick with one. Like, figure out this next movie, we're either doing it as a suspense horror or we're doing this as actions. Right. You know, and we're we're sending in the Marines or, or something like that. Because one of the books, Earth Hive, did a great job of, it was almost akin to a zombie outbreak on mm-hmm. the planet Earth, except it was an alien outbreak. And the fact that eventually people needed to flee the planet because we lost the planet there right. was no no hope of recovery at that point yeah um and i think that has a compelling story that you could then do a world war z type actiony film uh with a lot of suspense to it as as people are just trying to get the hell off the rock at that yeah, point just a long a long movie length holding action while we escape yeah. and then glass the planet from orbit right it right. is the only way to be sure um so we'll see where they where they try to take it um because that, that's the the alien universe has proven itself to work as a horror and action alien and aliens. Yeah. Two movies that could not be more different. <laughs> you have a, a bottle story where they're trapped in a ship with the alien and then 
swarms of bad guys that you can blow up repeatedly and more will come. Action, 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 shoot them up. Right. With horrific enemies, but horror was not the main driving force. It was a revenge flick. Sure, um, sure. It was re- and again, both of them were very strong on their right. characters. And they really they, had believable characters in it. And boy, did they lose their way after that. Oh, yeah. Uh, then it went to hell. So, Neil, our, our hopes uh, are, are riding on you. Uh, we'll see. And also, he's, he's, we're waiting to see his most recent effort, Chappie, which yeah. it looks really interesting. Um, basically, a, a firstly emergent, self-aware AI kind of story. Yeah. And might be slightly alienated because it's back to his home turf of South Africa with, with very South African uh, cultural appointments. Sure. Um, including the name of the film, Chappie. Chappie. Uh, so, but that, Oi, Chappie. Wor- that worked just fine for District 9. Sure. Because that was heavily regionally South African yeah. and still was a great story. So we'll see where they where they go with Chappie. Um, hopefully it'll be a great success, but he's already signed on. Somebody has seen it and been impressed enough to hire him on for this. Yeah. We'll see where it goes. We're, we are rooting for you. More, more good stuff, please. Um, we had a story that we missed from the last section. In this last week and a half, we had the uh, annual Toy Fair, yep. which is also the annual... Accidental spoilery glimpse at things we should not know. I'm looking at you, Lego, because they're epic about leaking photos of stuff. The Lego versions of things that reveal story points from stories that have not yet been released to the public. Um, but they had lots. I mean, this is a nerd, nerdvana in lots of ways. It's heavily sci-fi and fantasy influenced because it's the toy fair. Um, one thing that's getting a lot of press based on the nerd reaction to the trailer for The Force Awakens. Right. And people aren't sure if Hasbro is trolling us or not. <laughs> it's entirely possible that this thing is entirely fake and is just messing with us. It's the Blade Builders kit from Hasbro, which is your lightsaber building kit with lots of attachments and multi-blade designs and cross pieces and all the stuff that people were honking on about from the trailer with the lightsaber with the crossbar. So we're not sure if this is a telegraph that we're going to see all kinds of exotic lightsaber designs in Force Awakens, or if this is never going to come to market and they're going to laugh all the way to the bank. Say, ah, we had you go and we thought you were going to... <laughs> Good one, Hasbro. Yeah, we'll see. Some of these, yeah, it's 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 like PCV piping for your lightsaber. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have it shoot out at whatever angle you want. I just I uh, look at the one handle with the three blade attachments coming off, and I say that can't possibly be real. It's like they say how you know how crazy a little big big one handle with three blades. <laughs> how un- utterly impractical that would be. <laughs> well, it's like you have like a. F- Fan of lightsabers right. at that point. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. So it's entirely possible that they are doing an, a, a, a galactic level of trolling with showing that at the toy fair. Um, yeah. They had some fun, lots of, you know, the collectible maquette style, high, high end. Uh, so they have a very a fun 25th anniversary Dark Horse Predator 
done yeah, in comic book awesome. cell shading. So it's it's a statue, a 3D statue of the 2D coloring of the classic Predator from Dark Horse Comics. And it looks awesome. Yeah, looks fantastic. Yeah, that, but, but it looks like great. it stepped off the page. It's right off right. the cover. Um, so it's, it's gorgeous. It's, it's a gorgeous piece of 2D comic book art made into 3D. Um, the life-size Call of Duty Scout Dog done in Lego is a bit much for me. Yeah, I don't know if I need that. I think it's just a display. <laughs> uh, lots and lots of Back to the Future stuff because we are now finally in the year that they traveled forward to in Back to the Future Part 2. Um, so lots of nostalgia, some you know, time machine DeLoreans and stuff being shown, because it's the it's the big year when Marty McFly arrives, and why don't I have my hoverboard? Yeah. Um, this article from uh, toplessrobot.com, great website name by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, they say one of the top things at the Toy Fair was not a thing, but it was the joy that the Hasbro people have for their Jurassic World stuff. And they basically show them they're playing with them at their at their kiosk, going rawr, rawr, having way, way too much fun with their jobs. Oh, yeah. And also a reveal of the Indomitus Rex genetically engineered dragon dinosaur, because what could go wrong? Right. Why Why not? <laughs> that, that, story, uh. that story idea rings completely true to me, though. That oh, sure. the viewing public would get burned out and bored with merely seeing regular dinosaurs. I mean, that is so last year, where a corporation might think it's a good idea to whip up some more exciting dinosaurs to get the public back in or to pay some more gate fees. Yeah. What could go wrong? So yeah, there's lots, there's just, head over to Majorspoilers.com. Uh, Steven over there has got tons of reports that came out of Toy Fair, just the, a mountain of, of nerd-friendly movie, comic book, television franchise stuff uh, all flooded, and they're still parsing all the stuff that got released during that, during that uh, Toy Fair. Um. In the land of video games, so if you were paying attention, there's a very interesting game that has gone out of early release and has gone into release called Evolve. And I'm, I'm, this is one I actually want to try and find some time to play because the game style looks different and interesting. It's a 1v4 game design. Four of you play a team of monster hunters. One of you plays the monster. Right. It's the monster's job to survive long enough to evolve. Ha, thus the name. And get more powers to be able to take out the four people who are hunting them. And in the early access, you know, there, were, there were balance issues where trying to find the sweet spot of not making one, you know, the, the, the four-person team always be able to defeat because there's 4v1, you know, four brains versus one, and not make the monster so OP that the, the, the hunters never have a chance. Um, and from Polygon.com, they come right to the point and say, the good news is that the numbers show that this is a well-balanced game. And the better news for people who like a focused fight is that the rounds are relatively short, with the average match taking under 10 minutes to play. So it is... Quick action, not OP one way or the other, fun to play. You have my interest now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, there's been a lot of buzz. I think it's probably the biggest post-Christmas game to be released. Uh, so the first real big release of the year. Uh, you know, Majora's Mask re-release on DS withstanding. Um, I would think Evolve is a big, big, big AAA type title uh, coming out. And I watched some Twitch feeds on it because I don't own it. And it looked good. I mean, the the the... Browns I watched, the guy who was playing the monster was really good. And he was doing a really good job of he was just winning match after match. Uh, but I jumped around to some other feeds and watched Hunters do really well also. Uh, so the gameplay looked compelling. There's a million different stats it keeps track of and it you, you have a, pro, a progression that you can level up uh, your both your monster as well as the four different classes of Hunters. Uh and each class of hunter, I think, has like choices within it of which character you play, and they bring different stuff to the table. So, like one uh, assault guy has mines, another guy has a rocket launcher, that type of stuff. So, there's a lot of depth in that regard. Uh, the only question I have is how long is doing? Because I think there's only two different types of game types in it. How long is doing the hunt for the monster or playing the monster being hunted? Uh, or I think there's a defend mode. Will that stay compelling? Right. And well, is I think this, this a is game a strong case of it depends on who you're playing. Yeah, and I guess, and, but I mean, how long? Because I think that's one of the things that uh, Titanfall ran into is great gameplay, incredible stuff, but very lack of diversity in modes so that it became kind of the same thing over and over, even though it was really interesting. Uh, you know, it's always a hard balance to find, like how do you keep putting new stuff at people but make it a compelling experience that they want to keep doing over and over again. Right. I'm just glad to see game devs trying something different in, yeah. in a AAA title, where it's not just yet another first-person shooter in a different environment. For sure. With different guns and different skins, but it's basically go shoot bad guys over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's, a, it's an interesting shift in how... Uh, multiplayer works where you're very used to it being if you're going to play competitively you're even teams and you know everything's balanced and in this case you know it must have been a nightmare to try to figure out how do you balance yeah. a 1v4 game and yet they seem so far to have done it pretty well yeah and this opens up the you know can you make it more complex can you imagine a three-way game where you have two monsters and one set of hunters yeah and everyone's out for themselves. So you can have a monster-on-monster monster fight. You can have a monster, one monster on, the, on half the team, another monster on the other half. The, 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 it gets complex really fast. And I can understand you know, the, the level of pain and suffering that goes into balancing something like that. But what fun might something like that be to play? Oh yeah, and I think they, you know, that harkens back to the old like Aliens vs. Predator games mm -hmm. that where you could have like a team of Marines and then you had one Predator and one Alien running around, right? And it definitely made the the gameplay uh, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I think was the right and word. Sometimes a wacky, crazy, hectic game is yep. fun. Oh yeah, as long as it's not, and that comes back to as long as it's well balanced. Well, it's not. Oh yeah, well the Predator won again. <laughs> Right. Easy mode, face roll predator. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm 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 glad to see a happy headline after the the launch of a of an anticipated and um, risk taking game. Yeah, uh, we shall see. 
uh, in the land of T uh, movies again. This also from Polygon. Uh, Morena Baccarin, who you may remember from Homeland and Firefly, has been cast as a female lead in the Deadpool movie. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel that they're necessarily being a romantic lead, because that's what the implication is in the article, is that there's right a love story to be had here. Um, since this is the origin story, um, spoiler alert to people who don't know where Deadpool came from, and I'm not talking about that abortion that was part of uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine, is you have Super Duper Assassin, who is dying of cancer and submits himself to experimental treatment to try and save his life. Things do not go as planned, but he winds up essentially with kind of superpowers paying the price of being horribly deformed for the rest of his life. Right. Um, so I can see where if he has a love interest going into that trial, that may be where they're saying you know, the heartbreak of, of her either having to believe that he is dead um, and him having not, you know, not being able to go back to her, or being with him through this this change, and, and as he becomes more and more alien to her, who knows where they're going to go with it? But they've chosen a strong actress. Um, yeah, she even made you know, bits of V kind of watchable. Um, when oh she, yeah, she was in that, huh? Yeah, she was evil, evil queen reptile. Right, right. Um, but even she could not save that. that no, debacle. that was a hot mess. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, they also, you know, the director they got for it, I I liked the style of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Yeah, I think it's a way underrated movie. Captured it really well, especially when you compare it to the uh, the comics. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, he has, you know, shown skill at adapting a comic that has its very much its own tone oh, hell yeah. into a movie. And so I'm hoping that translate because... Deadpool is definitely falls in that regard. It, it is not like any other mainstream comic out there. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious to see how that translates. And yeah, I mean, it's good to see that they are progressing and you're not, you know, again, seeing this movie go into the black hole like it's done several times. Yeah. So Fox, we're, we have some hopes pinned on you because he, he, in his own bizarre way Deadpool is a beloved character in the Marvel yeah. Universe because he's been so well written on so many occasions yep. and I mean I saw I was reading a I forget which X-Men title uh, late last year where they have you know f- a future team of mutants traveling to the past and they bring with them a future version of Deadpool and whoever was writing that just nailed him and his interactions with Wolverine were hilarious and awesome basically when they, when they, they first encounter each other Deadpool just kind of goes up to him and tearfully hugs him. Oh, I missed you so much. Oh, get off me. <laughs> um, so it's he's been done so well by several different writers. Yeah. That we've we've seen the potential that can be realized from the idea of the wise cracking semi superhuman deformed, you know, how do you how do you write a one sentence description of Deadpool? You don't. Uh, you just got to see him done right, and and the little you know short that they leaked of the test footage of Ryan Reynolds you know doing him up, which led directly to this getting greenlit. Uh, that shows where their attitudes are. If they can keep that kind of spirit going throughout a whole movie, they may have uh, a successful yeah, franchise. Something. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. 
I'm cheering. For, I'm, I'm part of me is cheering for Fox to develop their own very successful slice of the Marvel universe. Yeah, combining now Deadpool, X Men, and all the X Men attached things, right. and Fantastic Four. Yeah, we'll see. They they have a hard hard road to hoe ahead of them. No kidding. But they can absolutely do it, and they seem to be making some of the right calls. We're 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 going to give Deadpool a shot. That's tells me someone there realizes they they have some potential on their hands and they should probably be trying to do something with it. Right. So here's a more, bring me more nerd goodness. It's such a good time to be a geek. No doubt. Ah, an embarrassment of choice. It's a happy, happy place and time to be. Um, one other thing. What did I skip here? My bad. No, I think we got it all. No, I think we're good. No, I thought I had skipped one from before, but I already went back for it because I am just that good. Or something. This is what happens when the women aren't around. I get so self full of myself. Um, so we will uh, bring in, if he's on Skype here, I've already lost my way. I should have brought him in early to tell us everything we've done wrong. Um, uh, sorry, my Skype is being mean to me. Uh, no, you're not there. Barry, if you're listening, uh, get on Skype, man. It's your chance to uh, tell us everything we've done wrong because that's how you roll. Um, yes. Uh, okay. Barry did come up with a good one sentence description of, uh, Deadpool, the Merc with a mouth. Yep. Enough said. Okay. That kind of sums it up. It leaves aside the whole semi superhuman, uh, you know, cancerous growth out of control, deformed thing. But hey, that's kind of a footnote. He's mercenary with an attitude and, uh, still kind of put off by the fact that they're trying to do it PG. Yeah, or PG-13, but still. Still. It's, yeah, I don't know how, because I think that limits you to, like, two F-bombs the entire movie. Uh, I think it's an unlimited number of S-bombs and one F-bomb, which you have to use oh, okay. strategically. Is kind of the unspoken rule. That's the problem with the MPAA, is there are no hard and fast rules. It's a completely arbitrary system. Right. Um, run by some ultra-right-wing conservative people. And I really don't know why the uh, entertainment industry puts up with it. Yeah. I, guess they, I guess they fear government regulation so much that they're willing to put up with this air quotes system that they have. Um, I just work here. Yeah, there's, there's a, a great documentary called This Film Not Yet Rated that puts a microscope on how the MPA rating system works. And it is stomach turning how... Much of an inside insider secret handshake society that is. Hmm. All right, Barry, what have we done wrong this time? Well, I have to go back and watch the episode of uh, Flash again. But I was under the impression that the professor wasn't right outside the particle accelerator. He was miles away and just happened to be running away with his son in a box. <laughs> um, I don't think I don't think he was. Those were protesters that happened. To be by. He was just on, in a in a public place, and those people got Flash thing well, and so it was even more random that uh roddy whatever got merged with him it mm-hmm. was just kind of a thing well they they uh yeah i guess you'd have to go because there is that scene in the previous episode where uh pie piper. pie piper takes cisco and shows him the burn mark in the wall and i don't know if that was outside the particle except where that was obviously clear. they had to travel somewhere yeah. Yeah. And he said, but, you know, I remember him saying, you know, we're going to have one more stop and the next place we go, you're going to have to take my handcuffs off because they had to go to the police station. Right. 
But I don't, I don't, I wasn't under the impression that they, he just happened to be right outside the particle accelerator. I thought it was miles away. It okay. just happened to be in the same city. I, I thought he was there just because, I mean, the protesters definitely were saying, like, don't turn it on. So they were, it seemed to me to be pretty, like, this is people saying not to, to launch the particle accelerator. Right. And he talked to Barry earlier in the episode where Barry has that flashback about meeting him where he tells train, him, yeah. I'm going to be there. At yeah. it. So I don't know. All right. And you skipped over uh, <clears throat> a part in Arrow, which I thought was completely creepy. So um, Thea decides to sleep with a uh, hunky DJ guy who we know is a spy, but she doesn't know is a spy. Right. And then she starts to suspect that he's going to poison her, and she gets all suspicious, and he gets all confrontational. And then they break out in a fight, and Arsenal busts in and is like, I'm here to save you. Was he listening to them have sex that whole time? How long has he been following her around? And, like, how creepy is that? Ew. Like, her ex-boyfriend is just like, you know, oh, I'm here to protect you. Out or whatever, there but like, in uniform. Yeah. Like, because he's just lurking on the window ledge going, like, I mean, he might try to kill her after. This is the <laughs> top floor of the building, the, the basement of which is the lair. So yeah. Are they living? I didn't catch that either. No, That's yeah. Thea lives That's above the club. Oh, does she? Yeah. Oh, I thought she lived somewhere else. Okay, I didn't get that either. That was my impression, is is that it's all one big building where it's, you know, apartments up top, club, and then lair. No, I don't think so, because I think that the club is like an old warehouse-y type building that they had converted into a nightclub, and that's how he had, and then the lair in the basement. I don't think that's like a high-rise. Yeah, because when Oliver first sees her apartment, he's like, wow, this is a very swanky okay. digs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I've got my geography messed up then, but the and lair, plus, the lair and that, the club are one building. Oh, yes. There's a, there was another flashback, but I think it might have been the most weekend, recent episode. Uh, yeah, I, you don't have to talk about that next week. Obey but, the Gilligan, yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah that's all I wrote down. <laughs> We've got him taking notes now, Grail. Haha. Taking good. notes on the, th- the things that I, I need to call in and correct. But of course. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Diablo 3. Everybody New, should new get season? in on seasons. It's the best thing ever. Uh, they, I think they found a way to like actually... like turn the screws on people that like Diablo because everyone's like, well, you know, you play it long enough and it's just an infinite hunt for loot. Right. And they were like, well, what if we put in a reset every couple months and you just start from scratch again and they were all, and you know, everyone so, just goes nuts. Tell me, tell me if I've got this right. So a season, you start a new level zero character, right. level them either in adventure mode or story mode to max level. You can do adventure mode if you have adventure mode unlocked right. in your regular game. Right, but by now, yeah. So you have to you have to play through one time to adve- to unlock adventure mode for all your characters. Right. So you don't necessarily have to replay the story mode and watch the same damn story unfold again. So you no, can't you do can adventure. You can start mode. out just doing bounties, and and then if you do, <clears throat> if you do enough bounties, you can start doing paragon riffs. And the reason right. you do this is when you get to max level, you start getting unique loot and super OP loot that when the season is over transfers to your regular account and you can spread it amongst your characters yes there are certain gear that is only available uh on the season in the seasonal games and then becomes part of the regular game 
uh, eventually. Okay, that was the piece I was missing. I'm like, so you make me start over and play a level zero character, and I get great gear on this guy, and then the season ends. It well, goes, it goes everything away. you earn in the season becomes part of your regular thing. Oh, so any okay. experience that you gain gets mashed into your master experience on your regular, your non-season character. Now I get it. Okay. Well, okay and, now cool. that, and now that they have Paragon levels, once you hit level 70, you start gaining Paragon levels, right. which are shared across all of your characters and so it's the game has become infinite leveling because you can there's never an end and there's and there the hard modes now are infinite too because of greater rifts uh you just you can just you can choose to just keep going and let it get harder and harder and harder until the point where it's impossible so the game has no foreseeable end you just keep gearing up and fine-tuning your character until you can live through ridiculousness yeah well that, that's what the game always was it was a never-ending dungeon crawl they just made it scale with you infinitely to so it doesn't reach a point where you you are of maximum power and you slaughter everything so no we'll keep throwing harder things at you yeah and give you bigger rewards and throw harder things at you and give you bigger rewards and, and rinse repeat and now they're adding infinitesimally slightly better gear throughout time uh, and patches and stuff too so it's like no yeah. well, no you have the best of all those pieces of sets well now it's possible to get one that's just a little bit better. So you got to go and grind again and keep this finding. Reminds me of EverQuest alternate advancement points. Yeah, uh, it just has that. Oh, let's just give them some new currency to earn and and tiny little things they can infinitesimally move forward a little bit at a time. And the people who are absolutely insane and play incessantly will have godlike characters. And well, I unlocked two pieces of gear. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it last night or this morning. It was. It became kind of a an early morning session. Uh-huh. But on my uh, seasonal wizard now, I can teleport uh, infinitely. So I can travel like just. I, I'm essentially like uh, the Flash in the game now because I can literally <laughs> just jump from point to point to point to point to point. And it, yeah, it redu- it took off the cooldown off of the teleport spell and on one of my pieces of item, and the other item lets me uh, teleport twice i can teleport a second time right away with no cost right if i do it fast enough so essentially i can just teleport around the map infinitely See, it even works with your name my name is barry va and i'm the fastest mage alive yeah right. and then when i stop i cast lightning spells at everyone <laughs> yeah was it, is it yellow and green lightning or yellow and red lightning no it's white and blue nah, but bummer. you know if you squint <laughs> and on that bombshell it's time to end so Thank you for joining us for this live episode of Casually Hardcore on alphageekradio.com. Uh, you can also hear me this week. I was guesting on Show X right before this one. So if you go over to VTW Productions and get this week's Show X, you can get more of me. And who wouldn't want more of me? Yeah, the question kind of answers itself. Uh, find us on the interwebs, alphageekradio.com, and now also alphageekvideo.com. Thank you to uh, Tinvec from the chat realm. We have a, a much improved all-purpose video player over at Alpha Geek Video where you can combine whatever video channel you're watching with whatever uh, IRC network you want and have it all in one big happy place. Check it out. Find us on Facebook. Just search for Casually Hardcore or Alpha Geek Radio. We have pages for both. On Twitter, you can follow the show at Hardcore Casuals, the network at Alpha Geek Radio. I am on there as at Gnomewise, and he is Izzy Grail, I-Z-Z-Y-G-R-A-I-L, and Barry Von Awesome, right? Yep. 
And send your emails. Thank you for the email this week, Sarathis, uh, to the show at alphageekradio.com. That is the show at alphageekradio.com. Send show suggestions and generally strange and interesting nerdy things you find on the web to the subreddit, alphageekradio.reddit.com. We thank all of the volunteers that spend their time, uh, I don't know, curating that for us. Go in there, send in suggestions, upvote, downvote, comment, send ideas. We appreciate everything. If you like what we're doing here, feel like you're getting some value from the network and from the show, we work on the value for value model. If you want to give something back, head over to patreon.com slash alphageek. Send us a buck a month. We can use every little bit of it to keep the streamers streaming and keep us moving forward, developing new features and new toys, much like the new video channels that just went live. Check it out. And you can always listen on a multitude of devices. Uh, just go to tunein.alphageekradio.com. The ever-growing list of ways to listen live and listen to the network are available there for your consumption. All in one easy-to-swallow capsule. And I have been Gnomewise. And I've been Grail. And I've been Barry. And we are out of here. people